Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, welcome to Grace. Our mission is to create a community where all people can experience God's transforming grace. My name's Eric Ashley. I'm honored to, to be one of the pastors here and grateful to have you guys in worship this morning as we continue our series, Living Your Best Life. You may remember last week we, we talked about this living our best life begins with our purpose is to glorify and enjoy God forever. And then we're looking at five ways that we may live out that purpose. First, we talked about that we are to live out the purpose by loving God. And in the, in the church word for that that we came up with was worship. And we are to worship God. And we talked about how music is a part of that, but many times we think it's the only way. And uh, so music is not the only way that we worship. And it, and, it, and it doesn't matter necessarily what kind of music it is, that it's something like My Lighthouse or something slower or to him. That worship is more than that. It's the entire of the service. Secondly, we, we looked at that, you know, it's not about us. We're not worshiping us. So it doesn't matter if you like My Lighthouse or not. If it's not one of your favorite songs or not. So it's not about us. And then lastly, we, we looked at that worship is everything that we have and everything that we are from the moment our feet hit the ground to the moment our head hits the pillow each and every day. Today we're going to continue that and we're going to look at uh, this next way that we live out our purpose and it's all about circles today. I was thinking about circles and you know when we when we perform a wedding ceremony when it's time for the rings to come out we talk a little bit about the rings and the, the significance and the representation and we talk about the circular nation, nature of rings and, and that it's never ending that it symbolizes completeness and perfection, as should be symbolizing the love that Jesus has for us and the love that we would have with that person that we're being married to. So today we're talking about circles. I promise it will make more sense at 12 o'clock, 12.05 maybe. And... Uh, we're talking about circles and we're talking about love today as we look at the second way we live out our purpose to glorify and enjoy God forever. Would you stand and welcome one another with a fist bump, a hug, or a handshake? Welcome to worship. We're glad you're here. As I mentioned, we're talking about circles today. And uh, circles hopefully will make sense as we leave this afternoon of where we are coming from for our second way that we are to live out our purpose of glorifying and enjoying God forever. Again, on the back of your bulletin are some message notes. If that helps you, please feel free to do that. And also, we have the uh, Bibles in the back. If, if you need a Bible, you don't have one, please feel free to take one of these, these uh, paperbacks. And then we also have these hardcovers that we would invite you to utilize as you would like to hear in worship. If you're participating in, in a small group and you're utilizing the small group materials for this study, today you may find a little difference in, in what you're hearing Rick Warren talk about and how he's interpreting perhaps this second way from how I might interpret it. And uh, I'll just be honest, I, I may be completely wrong. But um, 
would be the first time ever said no one ever. I may be wrong about this, but I think it's a faithful interpretation, a spirit-led interpretation of, of how God would have us to see this through this Wesleyan lens that we live in. So uh, we're going to do this. We live out our purpose first by loving God. We looked at that last week. The second way we live out our purpose is to love all of God's creation. So we're going to look through that big lens of loving all of God's creation. And I think we're going to do that in four parts, four circles. So I'm going to tell you a story today. For the, the time we have left, it's, I'm going to tell you a story. It's, it's a story you've heard, but it began thousands of years ago. Nothing existed. There was a vast darkness and a vast emptiness. And then God spoke and our very world was created. It's, it's recorded in the very beginning of our scriptures. In the very first page in Genesis chapter 1 begins curating the story of creation. And in Genesis chapter 1 and in Genesis chapter 2, we have these two stories of creation. And toward the end of the very first story, in chapter 1 beginning verse 26, it says this, Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea and the, and the birds of the sky and the livestock, all the earth and all the crawling things on earth. And God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, I now give you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds, and all the trees whose fruit produces its seeds within it. These will be your food. To all the wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes, I give the green grasses for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything he had made, and it was supremely good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. In that verse, there's, there's a word, in, in that particular translation, it said, master. Uh, in another other translation, it says, take charge, or to rule, or have dominion over. That Hebrew word that's translated different ways is radah, R-A-D-A-H, radah. It means to take responsibility for, to steward, to care for, or might we say to love. So our first circle today is that we are called to love everything that God created. everything. And this encompasses this big circle, which was our second way that we are to love all of God's creation. Now the story continues. You know the story. It's Adam and Eve, and God gave Adam and Eve all of creation and all of Eden to care for and to love for. 
and with that to love and to care for and to provide for themselves as well. We are called to love ourselves. And God gave Adam and Eve everything they needed to do that. That's our second circle. We are to love ourselves. And things went really well for a while. They're in Eden. They're walking. They're hanging out with God. All is good. They're eating what they're supposed to eat. They're staying away from what they're not supposed to eat. And then Genesis chapter 3 happens and the serpent comes along and it begins to say things like, well, did God really say that? And Eve begins to question and, and in Genesis chapter 3, 4, and 5, it just comes off the rails. We begin by loving ourselves and caring for ourselves, but it comes off the rails and, and we turn our attention, they turn their attention, their focus off of God and toward themselves and I don't know about you, but the same happens for me. I turn my attention from God, and I turn my focus on myself, and things begin to come off the rails. We were created into God's image, but then there's still this seed within us. There's still this seed of original sin in Adam and Eve in the garden. And it's, it's enough of this selfish sin, enough of it to certainly to certainly cause us to make a sufficient mess of our lives. Amen? So again, speaking for myself, that seed of original sin can can cause me to, to make a mess, for sure. And God recognized this. God recognized that Adam and Eve in the, in the fall there, and he banished them from Eden, and, and then Cain and Abel, and that whole thing of, of murdering your own brother, and, and God was kind of fed up. God was done. He recognized this and wanted to wipe all of creation clean. But he saw one righteous man, and we talked about him last week, he saw one righteous man who loved him, and that was Noah. And so God continued creation through Noah's lineage. Didn't make it perfect, but it was a little bit better for a while. And soon God then began calling people to himself using people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses, calling them to God and, and to giving them a purpose. And we see it right in Genesis 12. God talking to Abram, who he changes his name to Abraham later. He says to Abram, I will make you a great nation and bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Those who curse you, I will curse and all the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. All of these people found themselves wandering then in the wilderness. Abraham followed God just like Noah had, followed God, and, and, but eventually they went, found themselves into Egypt into slavery. Moses let them out, and they find themselves wandering in the desert. And in Exodus chapter 19, God reminds them who they are. After their wandering, he says this to them. You saw what I did to the Egyptians and how I lifted you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. So now if you faithfully obey me and stay true to my covenant, you will be my most precious possession. My most precious possession out of all the peoples since the whole earth belongs to me. You will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
But he's signaling out this group of people saying, you belong to me. Reminding them, in the desert of life right now, you still belong to me. You still are a people of God. And while they're still wandering in the desert later, God told them that they are then to love their neighbor. So we've, we've determined we need to love everything that God created. We need to love ourselves. And now God tells us that we also are to love our neighbor. They're still wandering out there. And then Leviticus 19.18 8, says that we not, must not take revenge nor hold a grudge against any of your people. Instead, you must love your neighbor as yourself. So he tells them to love their neighbor, and then their interpretation, their, their group interpretation is that neighbor means one of their people. Even in Leviticus it says, your people. Do not hold a grudge against your people. They're defining neighbor as one of the Israelites, one that is in, with them in the wilderness. And you remember the story, Joshua eventually took them up and took them into the promised land. He led them to where God wanted them to be. He brought them back into right relationship with God. And they were thought of as the people of God, of God's family, is, is how they identified themselves. And it's like this for us today. The same story happens for us. God comes to us just like he came to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and Joseph, and Moses, and many others. He comes to us, and our lives are changed forever, calling us to God and calling us to the church, the church which is the modern-day Israel. We are that people out in the wilderness that have been led to the promised land. We are those group of people used to be known as the Israelites. We are the church. And so that's our third circle. We are called to love God's children in the church. The church is, is a group of God's people, group of God's children who gather together, gather like we are doing today. And, and we need God, and we need the community called the church to help us for a couple reasons. But one is to, to help us develop spiritual muscles, you know, to develop our spiritual uh, strength. We begin when we, when we say yes to Jesus, we begin as kind of like a toddler. And we're, we're getting, we're getting the, the small, mashed-up toddler food, and we're being spoon-fed, Right? the strained peas that are so wonderful and great. And we get some, we'll get some of the you know, good stuff like bananas and peaches and stuff like that too, but we're, we're hand-fed like toddlers. And, and we're to develop our spiritual muscles so that then kind of when, as a parent, you remember that time when you're kind of over like feeding? You know, it's like, okay, I'd like to eat sometime today too. Can you please finish? And so then we do, we do the Cheerios all over the top of the high chair, right? You know? Okay, well, this is kind of safe. We just pick up a couple Cheerios after this later. And then we just go for a broke, right? We just say, all right, here's, here's the bowl, here's the spoon. We'll try to go for it. And I'll just clean up the mess because I want to eat my supper. So over time, we train our children to become self-feeding, 
And that's what the church is about. The church is not here to, to feed you, to spoon feed us, me and you and all of us, all the time. We are to grow and we you know, get some Cheerios and then we get, what was that little, the bread things? What was the little crackers that were dissolvable? Kind of, Melba Toast kind of stuff, yeah. So those kind of things and we graduate into other hard foods and, and we become self-feeding on the scriptures and through prayer and through personal worship and through serving that's what the church is to do we are to develop our spiritual muscles from being spoon-fed and hand-fed to being self-fed that's one of the purposes of the church the other one is to help us as john wesley said to keep us from backsliding kind of imagine shoots and ladders and all all is good you're kind of cruising along on the path you may even take a ladder up and skip a little bit and all of a sudden you hit a chute and we're back down. The church is there to help us that when we fall down that chute, to help pick us up and to hold us up and to walk with us. Or maybe to stand in front of the chute and say, hey, don't go that way. I went that way a couple weeks ago. wasn't good. Don't take that route. So keeps us from backsliding in our faith. The church is a very necessary and vital part of God's plan for God's reign, especially on earth. We talk about often the bringing God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And the church is necessary for that to happen. But if we're not too careful, just like the Israelites, we can kind of get blinders on. And we can become so self-focused on the church and those within the church and what the church is doing within our walls and within our community that we don't see anything beyond it. That happened to the Israelites. They, become, they became too self-focused. And it was, was either you're a part of us or you're not. You're, you're very dualistic thinking. It's either this or this. There's no way there could be anything in between or both. You're, you're with us or you're against us. And if we're not careful in the church, we can kind of develop that similar attitude. You're either with us or you're not. Or even, even broader than the church in, in our Christian faith, you're either with us, you believe exactly 100% the same that we believe, or you're not and you're out. Kind of like Project Run Runway. You know, you're, you're in or you're out. And then Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus comes on the scene and begins teaching in a new way and, and begins interpreting the Ten Commandments and other laws in new ways. He begins to redefine and reimagine who was Israel's neighbor and even then who were God's children. We see this in the Gospels of Mark and Matthew and particularly in Luke where he talks about we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. Luke takes it to the next step because this is happening in Luke and, and it's portrayed as Jesus interacting with a law expert who comes and says, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what do you think? How, how do you read it? And, and the law expert says, well, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, spot on. You got it? Do this and you will live. But then the law expert wants to kind of one-up Jesus and he says, well, who's my neighbor? How do you define what my neighbor is? And, 
Instead of answering, Jesus tells a story. Tells a story of the good Samaritan and, and that there's this man on the side of the road between Jericho and Jerusalem and, and he's been robbed and beaten. And a Levite come, one of, the, one of the household of God people that is to care for the tabernacle and to care for the temple. And the Levite, surely he's going to come help. He's a good guy, right? No, he, he crosses over on the other side of the road so that he hasn't become unclean and passes him by. And then a priest, certainly, certainly, certainly a leader in the church will come. And no, he passes by. He doesn't want to become unclean. And then a Samaritan, the neighbor to the north of the Israelites, the hated neighbor to the north, those that worshiped in a different place and with a different bent, those people, surely this person is not going to help. But the Samaritan knelt down and, and bound the wounds and, and put salve and oil on the wounds and, and disinfected them. And he took them to an end said, please care for this man, and, and, and I'll return in several days, and if this is not enough money, I'll bring more money then. And Jesus says, well, so who's the neighbor in this story? And the legal expert says, well, the man who cared for the one in need. He says, you've answered correctly. Go and do likewise. So Jesus takes this idea of the neighbor being our people, the ones in our crowd, might we say, the ones in our church, and says, no, no, no. Your neighbor is out. It's beyond. It's every person. Galatians 5, 13 and 14 says that we are called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge in selfish impulses, but serve each other through love. All of the law has been fulfilled in a single statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful that you don't get eaten up by each other. We are to care and love for one another within our group. And we are to love our neighbor outside our group. We are called to love God's children outside the church as well as our fourth and final circle. going to make sense in just a minute, I promise. Just like the Israelites, the church and, and Christianity in general has become more and more self-focused. We, we've been focused more on, on the dualistic thought of our thinking of, of you're either part of the church or you're not part of the church. You're either against us or you're for us. You're either God's children or you're not. And what I want to propose to you today is that all of God's creation, all of God's humanity that God created are God's children. No matter if they're a part of the church or they're not part of the church. Frankly, that decision is way above my pay grade. Way above your pay grade. That they are God's children, we are God's children, whether we're here as part of this church or the global church or not. So people who are not part of the church, this one or another one, they are all part of God's creation. They are all God's children. They are not the red-headed stepchild or, or the weird cousins that we don't want to see at the family reunion. 
They are not the black sheep of God's family. They are God's children. We are God's children. So let me bring it home. Friends, our purpose is to glorify and to enjoy God forever. That's our purpose. We do that first by loving God. We talked about that last week. And today, the next way is that we live out our purpose to love, by loving all of God's creation. And we do that by loving everything that God created, loving ourselves, loving our neighbor as ourselves, both those who are a part of the church and those who are not yet part of the church. So circles, you guys can't see the circles. You missed all the great artwork this whole time. Okay, our four circles, five circles I guess it is. Back up a step. So this is the way today is we are to love all that God has created, everything. And then we're told we're to love um, Everything God created, this would be like, let's just say nature, right? Okay? The natural world. We're then called to love ourselves. Sometimes this is a bigger circle, sometimes it's a smaller circle. So let's say ourselves. We're called to love those within the church. Sometimes that's easy, sometimes it's difficult, right? Am I the only one that sometimes that's easy, sometimes that's difficult? And then we're called to love those outside the church. Okay, I have not studied Venn diagrams very much. I Googled it last week. So if this is not right, don't embarrass me right here. Tell me privately. The way I see this is this little part right here is how we are loving all of God's creation, okay? That little tiny part of this whole entire circle. But what if we looked at this in a different way? God told us, or Jesus told us, that they will know us by our love. Okay, so what if we loved in this way? What if we saw this as, as all of God's creation, everything that God did and the way that God loves. And what if then we said, okay, this is all of the natural world and, and we're going to love in this same capacity here. And then we're going we're gonna to love ourselves like this. We're going to love our brothers and sisters in the church like this. And we're going to love our brothers and sisters outside of the church in that same way. And then our Venn diagram looks much different. It's a much greater capacity to love. Jesus told us that they will know us by our love if we are followers of Jesus. How we love creation, how we love ourselves, how we love our neighbors, both in the church and those not yet in the church. So a couple questions for us today. How are your circles doing? How are your circles doing? How are my circles doing? And I want to propose to us that, that we would look at these circles and we would focus them and center them more and we would expand them more 
so that we love like God loves. Ultimately, that would be the best way to glorify and enjoy God forever, is to love as God loves. And the more we focus, the more we center, the more we expand these circles to encompass how God loves, the more we become, as Jesus said, we are to become perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Not perfect in execution of being without sin, but perfect in love. And as we focus and center and expand our circles of love, we become perfect as God is perfect. So friends, let's, let's focus on our circles. Let's, let's center them. Let's expand them so that our capacity of love is greater than it is now and that we love as God loves. Amen? Amen. Amen.